everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here, and today, super excited podcast expert is in the house, Mike Tassone. Mike, how are you doing, buddy? Awesome. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. This is going to be an interesting show because we've often talked about before this idea that a book is a fantastic lead capture tool, that part at the beginning of the funnel, but then people struggle a little bit in the long-term engagement with people and therefore podcasts have come up as a conversation in the past. Obviously, it's something that we're super excited about. We do a lot of them across the group here, but mm-hmm. this is something that you help people with directly. So I'm really interested to get your take on the bridge between books and podcasts and then really how people can leverage the podcast opportunity into this idea of staying in front of people all the time. So why don't we start with a bit of background, introduce kind of who you are and and what the organization does. Perfect. So my name is Mike Tassoni. I've been a producer, shooter, editor. I'm based in Toronto, Ontario, but I've been, I've kind of been able to go all over North America. I've been, you know, Western Canada, Bahamas, all kind of encompassing the left side of the map if you're looking at a, <laughs> at a map. So producer, shooter, editor, which means like the internet calls it, it's a funny word, but the internet calls it a predator. So like I said, <laughs> producer, shooter, editor. And that means I've just kind of taught myself over the years how to shoot, how to edit, how to produce, how to create content. I, my, my experience spans about a decade. I started doing it. I was always a hobbyist. So since I was like seven or eight, my dad always showed up to birthday parties with the big RCA, you know, the boombox <laughs> yeah, camera yeah. and, and, you know, with the VHS tapes and he had a little Fred Flintstone sticker on it. So it was, and I had like an obsession with cameras for as long as I can remember, but I was also a big sports guy, I played hockey, football, all everything kind of growing up. So those two loves were kind of like this for a really long time. Right. And then when I got to uh, Toronto, I'm from a really small town in Northern Ontario called Sault Ste. Marie really rough went like a lot like those philly winters really rough winters you know some hardy people we'll call them real northern ontario type you know type people and so when i moved to toronto it it created this whole world there was this entire new world that i just had no idea i I was used to you know going to football practice and then coming home making stupid little videos with my buddies and then you get to toronto and it was about 2010 and there was a little bit of an industry here which you can make money doing it and I was pretty naive. I had no idea how to, you know, the internet, remember Instagram was still like a photo sharing app, no right. TikTok, YouTube was still kind of, you know, working itself out. So there was a lot of work in nightclub photography, which is a hilarious, you know, I don't even think it exists I anymore. I was going to say, I call it as a, as a niche. Yeah. It, who Was that the, for most of the club owners were using that as their marketing, their punters wanting their picture taken? No, it was so what would happen is you would get hired to come in and do like a photo album or make a video of a DJ at a club. Uh, right. Okay. And yeah. And I had no idea. I just thought, oh, you're getting paid to play with your camera. Cool. <laughs> right. like, I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm trying to put myself through I'm make money on the weekends, you know, supplement some cash for those ever important textbooks that I may or may not have bought. <laughs> so I did that for about two or three years, and that led me to some really cool spots i was able to cover some really cool i mean i'm not a big electronic music fan but like i was able to cover a lot of really cool djs that you know now are mega huge that back in the day they were just you know at at silly little nightclubs but that got really boring really quick because it was the same it's the same thing over and over again right but the type of edits i was doing it was really high intense 
you know, I had it obvious. I developed a skill set that was different than a lot of editors and a right. lot of shooters, right? It wasn't the best niche because of the way that you kind of came up in that environment. It was very kind of your style match there, like yes. EDM type. Big, yeah, right. very you know, big crazy you know edits that kind of made no sense, but they were loud and they looked <laughs> sexy. And so, so I played football at my university, and when I stopped playing. The head coach a couple of years later had, you know, had approached the, I guess, the media department and he wanted to make like a, an, I don't know if you've heard of the series Hard Knocks. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's, he wanted something like that. And me being an alumni of the team, sort of, I mean, I was around, I was... Well, the uh, connection was the and knew the background. A little, yeah, a little bit of a connection there with the background and knowing the sport inside and out. So I was like, well, I've got the skill set. I showed them my portfolio. I go, it's not exactly sports, but... I know sports in and inside and out, right? Created my own job at the school for three years. I followed the football team around. After that, it kind of, once again, starving artist type stuff. I landed a contract at a bank here, kind of just making bank videos. And then the big, my Mount Everest was, I got a job as a producer, shooter, and editor at Canada's number one sports broadcasting company. So it'd be like RESPN. Oh, right. Yeah. And I was the first position of their kind. I shot, edited, whatever. And that's when I really, I mean, I covered the Raptors when they won the first championship here in Canada, which was a highlight of my life. I have the thing right, right. here. That's my media pass. Like that was it for me. Right. And then to bring it back, that's when I started getting in, uh, introduced to podcasting. And I was involved with three really big shows that were national number ones, number twos, you know, top 10, top fives. And that's when I sort of under, it, then COVID hit and the work from home phenomenon started happening. And I've realized, wow, I can do podcasts from anywhere. Right. And this is a re really cool thing to kind of be involved with. So with, you know, I, I got taught by some really good producers. And then after that, I started kind of going off on my own. And that's sort of where I am now. I'm taking this experience and I try, I'm, I'm create a podcast for a few people and it's kind of getting going now. And but when you have that big time experience, you want to like, you know, help people make out the and make the most see, of it. Right. Particularly when you see that there's a, a desire out there. People want to do this and want to get there. But sometimes it's just the technical steps or the, the hurdles to getting started that hold them back. As we kind of sat here with this knowledge in our heads, we just want to share yeah. it as much as possible. You want to share. And it's funny because I've over the last it's been really picking up over the last three years, obviously. Right. Everyone's like, I need to get out there. And the types of conversations, everyone's always afraid to just start it. Right. Uh, that's number one. It's number one. Everyone's just afraid to start. And then they're afraid to start and they have no idea what to talk about. So that's where the book kind of thing came from where I'm like, well, everyone keeps saying the same sentence. What do I talk about? So I right. go, well, let's dig into that. And then, you know, through experiences and all of that, sort of how I landed with this idea to do the, uh, do the book. So who are the target audience for is it mainly business owners or personalities or people who've got like a passion project is it one particular niche or is it just the niche is people who are interested in podcasting i personally found that businesses can there's a return not immediately but there's a better opportunity for a return for a business to start something like this because right. i think if you're a personality you know it's not that you can't, everyone can, and it's a beautiful medium to do, but unless the goal is to become a comedian or a podcast or 
you know, the, the divorce lawyer that knows everything and you're the authority in the space. It's obviously incredibly difficult. It's like becoming a pro athlete. It's the same right. kind of thing, right? But with businesses, the point isn't necessarily to have 10 million downloads. The point isn't necessarily to make money doing the podcast. The point, if you have a business, you already have an audience. You already have a bunch of people that like your product, like your service. So the point of it for a business is to create a perpetuating machine that you can just get your content out to people and speak to people directly. I don't think people understand how important it is to touch their audience directly, right? We're doing, you know, we have the newsletters and all that, which is great. That's what you should turn the podcast into. But the point of the podcast isn't to make money on the podcast. It's another marketing effort. Right. And trying to get people to understand that. Yeah, and it's the same conversation yeah. as with the books as the assets themselves. It's the conversation and the opportunity to, as you say, talk directly to the person who's reading it. That's where the real opportunity comes in. Nothing to do right. with book sales or podcast downloads or the likelihood of getting advertising revenue from it. All of these things are secondary if the main job of work is keeping engaged the people who are going to become your clients and give you the high ticket money for the work that you actually do, not get paid for the advertising, for the opportunity to keep in conversation with people. That idea, is that something that more people are starting to catch on to? It's not such a heavy lift to get people to understand? Or is it still people come and start the conversation with you thinking that this is advertising revenue or make money from the podcast itself and you've really got to educate them into the bigger opportunity? All of the conversations are trying to get people to understand what their podcast is going to look like. Because if you think about it, the only podcasts that we know of are the super successful ones, right? right? The, you know, I don't even want to say the names because it's podcast, you know, it's, it's a yeah. podcast full pop to say <laughs> the names of the big dogs. Right. But everybody just knows the famous ones and the big ones. So when they say, when I say to a, an owner of a car dealership or a real estate agent, Oh, a podcast would be a great idea. They seem to not understand, well, what would I bring? Why would I, what would my podcast even look like? I only know of XYZ podcasts. Right. So what would mine even look like? It's like, well, the point is, is if you're a real estate agent, you're a highly localized, it, it, that's a highly localized sector for you, especially if you're a real estate agent. So if you show up as the authority in the space in your area by talking about it every day, by giving people tips, tricks, interest rate, you know, mortgage whatever people are going to come to you when it's time to get a mortgage because right. they know oh this guy talks about it every day i'm going to go to i'm going to go to stewart stewart talks about mortgages every day why yeah. wouldn't i go to him when it's time to get him right so yeah. it, that it, it's trying to get people to understand you don't have to hop on and talk about nothing your podcast <laughs> can be 10 minutes right it, it doesn't that's that is it's, yeah it's such an interesting point isn't it because when you think about one of the traditional broadcast type products where the show is the product, they have to be a certain length and the delivery is the entertainment within the product itself, within the show, because right. the show is the product, the product is the show. If the show is the excuse to share something of value, but broadly stay in touch and give people a, a clear call to action of how they can engage more, take that next step, the level of content, it takes the pressure off so much because you're not trying to produce something that's entertaining in its own right. Hopefully it is entertaining, so right. aren't yeah. turned off by it. But it doesn't have to be 
it just takes away a whole level of pressure. We had an example with, it was a real estate example, which like springs to mind. So part of the real estate education piece that we teach in that space is this idea of a flagship broadcast, a regular communication. And for realtors, an easy way of doing it is what we call a market watch report. So just every week, talk about what's come on the market this week and just bring some engagement to as the market's changing. So this idea of market watch. So there was one realtor who we worked with for I mean, over 10 years now, up in the northeast, up by Maine, Manchester, Boston. Mm -hmm. So he had been sending out the market watch every week. He decided, I'm going to purge the list. Anyone who hasn't responded or opened it or whatever criteria he had, anyone who hasn't done that in two years, I'm going to take them off the list. I'm just going to send to the people who have engaged. Completely pointless. Why? You're making some unnecessary (laughs) judgment. Anyway, he did it. And then about six months later, I got a call from a, picked up a voicemail and he was at one of our events and played the voicemail. And the voicemail read, hi, it's Bob here. I've been on your list for five or six years, but I guess something must have happened with my email anyway. I stopped receiving it. I had to phone around a couple of other agents in town to get your number. But anyway, I've got it now. Hopefully this is you. Give me a call. I've got two beachfront properties to list. Oh, wow. So, so, okay. The properties were worth like $4 million across the two of them. One of them was slightly higher, one of them was slightly lower. The guy had to call other agents. I can imagine how that call went. Oh, hi, it's Bobby. I'm I'm looking to list my two beachfront properties. Do you have Kenny's phone number? (laughs) Yeah, I want this other guy. Not you. I want this other guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then for Kenny to have purged that list, thinking that someone was engaged, but to bring it back to your point and the conversation we're having here, people are ready when they're ready. And our job is to stay engaged with them until that point is for them. We can't tell when it is. They're not going to send us a letter ahead of time saying, I'm going to be ready in a month or two. We just need to keep being there. And it's a challenge as business owners because you've got the day-to-day business to do. But doing a podcast where if you've been in business for any length of time, it's easy to talk about your subject. You can bridge it into points of interest if you feel the need to do that as well. But this opportunity to create weekly or fortnightly unique content that can then be which and multiplied in a whole host of other ways it's yep. by far the easiest and highest value thing that you can do and even if no one ever listens to it it doesn't matter because you've still it really doesn't it, it does and that's another funny thing it's funny that you say that because it doesn't matter really if anyone's really listening to it because you know, you're not trying to be a top five podcast. You're you're just trying to constantly have your hands out there and say, listen, I'm here if you need, right? right. I'm here. If you want to buy that house, I'm here. If you want to join my gym, I'm here. And we're going to, today we're going to talk about nutrition, but if you want to join, we're also here. And I mean, I'd like to say that people are starting to come around to that. I'm but still, there's still people out there that are just like, well, who's going to listen? And they want to get the ROI and get the, you know, get into the stats and the minutia and, I understand ROI and I understand investment and people want to get their return. But, you know, when you have something like that, that you can piece, you know, one episode, let's say you do for 20, I think I say this in the book, but if you have a 20 minute episode, that's potentially 20 one minute pieces of content that you can fire off. And that's almost a month's worth of stuff that you just have to sit down and do once for 20 minutes and talk about something you love or like at least. Right. So it's very valuable, but I think people are still looking at, the vanity metrics, the stuff that doesn't really matter. 
but if you can if you just get out get outside of that and understand you're just constantly out there massaging your audience that's where the juices are with a yeah. podcast the opportunities as well so we talk about it, this in the book sense that there's a lot of additional value from having the book this kind of societal value that's placed on the book as a product which is maybe mm-hmm. more than it deserves knowing how the the sausage is actually made it's not rocket science but there's yeah, still a, yeah. lot of, a lot of presence from it and i think the same goes for podcasts in the sense that it gives you a way to open doors with people that you wouldn't otherwise have opportunity to talk with so if you are looking at establishing yourself as a stick with the real estate example because it's easy for everyone to conceptualize yep as a realtor, if you were trying to talk to the mayor, to talk to the planning committee, to talk to the restaurant owners, to position yourself as the, not even so much as a trusted expert, but as the person who's bringing the trusted experts to the audience, opening those doors and having those conversations with people outside of the podcast, it's going to be a little bit tricky because people are busy. There's an element of people wanting to be guests on podcasts. There's an element of kind of... People love being guests. Right, <laughs> people kind love of being guests, yeah. Tickles the... Well, if it gets tickled, it's the, the parts of them, the ego part of them sure. that allows them to just turn up and take some pressure off and turn up as the expert and be presented that way. But you as the host, being the person who's doing that connecting, quite a different story than trying to recreate that same amount of, of energy and content and goodwill through any other medium. I mean, trying to write that type of stuff or go out and video it like a, a news news segment, all of yeah. that stuff is much more difficult than in a podcast. And then, of course, we're getting into the technological advances over the last 12 months of the yeah. distribution side of things. So the ability to create it in the first place is somewhat easier. Obviously, there's a sliding scale there. But what you can do with it once it's created and people looking for a business-based ROI, I mean, where else, like you say, would you be able to create 20 individual pieces of content from one seed piece? And that's just at the first blush, let alone kind of drilling down even further. So yeah, this yeah, idea... Well, sorry, sorry this, uh, yeah, just for, on that point, because that's a great point you just made, and it's not even it's not even the audio side of just having the chunk. It's like... You can turn that into your, you know, if, if you're a business owner, you know how important your your email list is. That's, right. you know, lifeblood for a lot of business owners, right? Being able to tell the people that love you directly. Now, you know, that those 21 minute shorts, yeah, those that covers your TikTok and your Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But let's, let's not forget, you can create an episode into a newsletter, which okay. I think is we, I ran a podcast with, I talked about in the book, but I ran a podcast with a couple of guys who turned every episode into a newsletter. And it was more in depth and the the author of the newsletter drove in a little harder, you know, what we can only cover in an hour. He really condensed it in. So, but it was about the episode as well. It was taken from the episode. And then let's say, you know, on a podcast, you can only talk for so long. You can even turn that into a blog. And now you got another thing and throw yeah. that up on your website. So it's a great point that it's, it's so juicy in yeah. what you can plug it into. It's just getting over the hump of like, you don't have to be the next superstar comedian to start a podcast. You don't have to be, you just kind of have to be a brand that loves what you got going on and go a couple layers deep. Yeah, passion for the subject. It's so interesting as well, because once you separate the idea from, okay, I've got to be, I'm competing with Joe Rogan. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you said the bit, you said the word. Demons will come down again. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, once you separate that, it's like books. I mean, no one's suggesting that it makes sense for a business owner to think that the only benefit they'll get from a book is competing with Tom Clancy or J.K. Rowling or Stephen Right. King. I mean, right. it's such a it's the same delivery mechanism, and you get some of the shined light from the medium, but the actual thing itself is completely different. One of the other things I like about the podcast idea, and it ties in with the newsletter follow-up that you mentioned, is that it ties in with books so well. So this idea of this kind of synergy of having all of the individual assets that tie together into something much bigger, again, sticking with the real estate example, you can imagine the real estate, what was the name of the little town you were from? Saint Marie. Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie. So you can imagine being a realtor in Sault Ste. Marie and having the show that talks about living in Sault Ste. Marie and it had, we're doing a highlight on the school and highlight on restaurants and there's a planning committee development going on over here. So bringing all of the local knowledge, but then having the book that ties in with it, the living in Sault Ste. Marie, the guide to living in Sault Ste. Marie. So on the podcast, then you can, a call to action on the podcast would be to get the book. And then the newsletter or the blog post or everything that, that's created downstream links back to those two assets as their way to find out more. We often talk about the call to action on the back of the book covering the three groups of people, the eye kickers, one of the better term, the, the people who are still in the gathering phase, the people who yeah. are interested to move forward but aren't quite yet ready to reach out and engage you fully, and then those people who are ready to go now. The three assets of the podcast being the perfect way of just gathering more information and passively following along with the journey until you're ready to move to the next stage. And then the book is a way of generating a little bit more interest or have it as the leading into the overall world. And then the, the easy way to get started. It's such a collective, uh, as I say, the synergy of, of collective assets bringing together. And your book then, the okay, so what do I talk about? This first question that everyone's got that really solving the problem, getting people to think about it in a different way, that ties together perfectly with this kind of synergistic idea. Once you know, once you accept this idea of what you can talk about, and that is relatively open-ended with a small amount of effort up front to think about it, then the world just opens up. That was a long way of getting to the that's, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A long yeah. way of getting oh, to I love that, of, yeah. Of this idea of bridging people into okay, what do I talk about? And then helping them think about that slightly bigger picture. Is that relatively formulaic in that there's some things that anyone can think about or is it very much people have to think about it case by case? I got the this example, I believe, I think it was Jim Rohn and he was in one of the one of these marketing books, I forget, I, this stuff just pops up and it sticks in the brain, but he was talking yeah. about the pinwheel of, right. of marketing. So the pinwheel of marketing looks a little bit, obviously it's not, podcasting, but I was looking at it going, well, this kind of works with a podcast because if you think of it like a pinwheel, you know, that the middle of the pinwheel is the thing you're trying to sell. That's the thing that you're selling, whether it's gym memberships, whether it's houses, whether whatever that the, the, the core competency of your business is the middle of that pinwheel. That's why you're in business, right? right. A gym can't run without <laughs> membership. You need membership yeah. dollars. You yeah. need someone to keep the lights on. Right. But then the ancillary thing is on top of it where you get your momentum because momentum in a podcast is more important than probably anything. Everyone fades. It's a pod fading thing. Three months, everyone, right. 90% of them go away. Like, cause you get bored, you get tired, you go, why aren't I famous yet? Why isn't Spotify here? <laughs> it's, you, you know what I mean? So yeah. you need that momentum. So when you start adding, so I sell memberships, 
Well, it's a gym. So who comes to my gym? Well, people who are into nutrition, people who are into mental health, people who are into wellness. When you think of a couple layers deep, you can start thinking about how I can get that pinwheel spinning so at least I get some momentum. So you have five topics and maybe you're on a weekly schedule. Now you have one topic every week for at least five weeks. That's about two months. That's about two months of podcasting that you can get through. You keep doing that enough times. Well, then you're spinning and you're spinning and you're spinning. And then at least you can get up to cruising altitude and you can be consistent because everybody quits when they don't, when it's a slog and it will be a slog. It's always going to be a slog, but if we can just get people to that three month mark of like, I've been doing this for three months. It's now part of my, so let's say you're a manager and you do weekly meetings. It's now part, it's that right. ingrained into my, the habit. Yeah. the habit is formed and now you're just going to keep doing it. And then you kind of don't care. Cause then you start going, well, I'm having fun. So who cares? I'm having fun now. And maybe a six months down the road, someone goes, I really love that podcast. You do. I'm in the market to buy an apartment building. You were talking something about, I know in the States, there's like FHA loans and things like that. You were talking about that, you know, let's do some business, right? Yeah. It's that it's, I say it's that simple. It's not that simple, but, <laughs> but it's <easy. laughs> it, right. It's, I think I say in the book, like it's a simple execution wrapped in kind of a convoluted marketing effort. But if you can get your habits, you know, good habits built, then it's a self perpetuating machine that right. will keep going and going as long as you have energy for it. Yeah. That model, actually, it's a great way of thinking about it as well, because I think thinking about a year's worth of podcasts up front, oh, what am I going to talk about? This, like, 52 episodes, that seems like a lot. But if you can break it down, so I love the idea that you were talking about there, the the gym has four or five key components. Well, that's only 12 in a year, 12 nutrition podcasts, 12 fitness bodybuilding, 12 weight loss, 12 case studies client transformation stories that's much more achievable and and not such a a daunting prospect going into it once you start breaking it down and again i'm a big fan of kind of like systems and frameworks and and just defining the model and then just having to repeat it once you've got that broken down then the people on the other end start getting used to what they're listening to. The model becomes familiar. There's an expectation of and a, and a, a familiarity of what they're about to expect and, and get from you. And then backing that up with the emails that have been sent out, relating back to the shows, taking those yep. chunks out, and here's where you can go and find more. It just breaks it down into each piece being so much more bite-sized than trying to yes. visualize the whole kind of podcast marketing success and that's and and people get freaked out when oh man i've got to do i've got to do all of this stuff and yes right. you will eventually have to do talk the instagram the, the the shorts the youtube shorts you will eventually have to do that but if you can get into a groove of rotating your topics and then what will happen is you'll start to get good at rotating your topics and you'll slide in maybe a special episode or you'll hmm. the in the gym example i gave in the book i was talking about how like a gym has, you know, this particular gym I was thinking of when I was writing it has about 400 members. Well, if you take f- all of their stories, that's 400 episodes that you can talk about and people will appreciate yeah. oh, someone in there will, someone in there will have the same story as maybe 50 other people. Oh, you know what? I was a, you know what? When I was younger, I was a great athlete and then I just fell out of shape, but then I found the gym and yeah. you know, the guys at the gym are so great. Well, there's probably 50 people out there I might have that same story. Oh, I remember when I used to, you know, bench 260, whatever. Oh, I want to get back into it. 
now you're the gym with the cool podcast that supports its owners or yeah. supports its its members, and now you have this thing going again, right? So, and it makes it so much more like, personal, like you were saying before. Yes, it's, it's a connection yeah. with the audience that's difficult to achieve through any other medium. And if you can do it in a way that's sustainable and manageable, it's. We were on the show a few well, a couple of months ago. Now we were talking with Paul Ross, who's a podiatrist. So he wrote, he's written a couple of books actually, but one of them was called My Damn Toe So he was saying that people will come in and they're excited to see him because he's the person that wrote the books. There's an element of connection and celebrity that's associated with it. And the same with podcasts. I've listened to, I consume quite a lot of podcasts and there's definitely a feeling of knowing, it's a very one-sided relationship, but there's definitely a feeling yep. of knowing the people I mean, we even get it with this show. People will come on board as clients, having listened to a number of the shows and know the frameworks that we talk about. So not only is there a personal connection there, but they're also educated customers in the sense of they're on board because they resonate with the way that we do it. You're right. We do it in right. a specific way. And it just makes the whole downstream connections and seamlessness of the, the, the rest of the relationship so much smoother which wouldn't have happened without booking the podcast. Right. And it's cool because like, like, you know, you can have, you can line up 10 other producers, 10 other shooters, 10 other editors, 10 other podcast guys, and they'll give you their own story or template and how they do it. And they're going to sit there and say, I'm the, mine's the best because we get you to 10,000. Listen, what, like at some point it's all a commodity. It's whatever at some <laughs> point, right? You go with the person at this point, because there's so many, I mean, I think they said there's about 2 million active podcasts right now, which isn't even that many if you consider there's like, I don't know, 10 billion websites, but there's 2 million active podcasts. Like there's a lot of room there to to mess around and there's a lot of room to experiment. And when you realize what a, the execution of a podcast, like you can only do it so many ways. You really can only right. flip on the mic. You can really <laughs> only do like you can only do it so many ways. Nowadays, it's who's going to climb the mountain with you. Who's the producer or the host or your social team, who's going to say, you know what, we're going to put in one to three years and we're just going to go and we're going to see what happens. Like that's what you're looking for more. So now right. I think a couple of years ago, you were looking for who's the hackier guy who can hack the algorithm. If we post on Wednesdays at 2 PM, we get more, <laughs> you know what, like that now, I, I think mean, it's, it's irrelevant now. Because it's, it's irrelevant such, now. Yeah. It's such a moved on space. And for the it's like SEO to a certain degree. Yes, there is some there's some things that you can do wrong which would damage it. Sure. But for the most part, there's not that much that you can do extra that moves the needle a massive amount, unless you're willing to just double down completely down that route and really go very hard. And then you can move the needle at the top end. But that thick middle of not doing anything wrong, a thick middle of we're all in the same ballpark and then it's expensive up at the top. Like you say, that middle is where things naturally, wherever that bell curve type diagram is, that's where the thick middle yeah. is. And now you're not looking for tricks and tips. Now you're looking for how does this holistically tie in with whatever else I'm doing and how much time yeah. I've got. And the personality and the finding the, the people who you want to work with, it's not just one person you could work with, you could work with a number of people. So You could work with many. That, yeah, so yeah. find the person that you resonate with the best and, yeah. and really enjoy the process. And, and that's the, like, if you could sit every business owner down and go, 
one rule of podcasting. You have to enjoy this. This is, has to be like a fun marketing effort that you're doing to get your business out, to get your whatever out to the world and, and have some fun with it. If you don't like this, if this doesn't, if this isn't enjoyable to you, don't do it because it's right. going, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be like, I mean, these, a lot of business, I mean, business owners, you've started something from nothing and you've started a business. It's the, use that muscle with the podcast. Right. If, if you can't connect that and you're, you know, you're pissed off after two months and you're like, oh man, like 10 listens, it's, and then you want to quit doing it. And you know how there's more of those people than people <laughs> right. who are actually doing it. Yeah. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to hate it. You're going to think it's useless. Why am, why are we not making money off of it? it the mindset has to be a little bit different these days. That's actually a great point across the board. Right. It's a great point because it's not the right fit for everyone. Like we right. can come on here and talk for three hours about podcasts and books and and the time would probably just fly by. But if you're turning up to something that's a hassle every time, you're going to be looking for your brain, either consciously or subconsciously, is going to be looking for all of the reasons to quit. And I guess not showing up, missing a week the download numbers aren't being what you want it to. No one's kind of reaching out and knocking on the door and giving you awards. All of those things are going to prove evidence to yourself that this isn't right because you've already got that mindset. Right. If you really love writing and you can't think of anything you'd rather do, then just write. Don't try and force it into a podcast unless there's a passion there. Yeah. I think for most people, it is the easiest way of getting seed content out there because most business owners can talk about the thing that they're interested in and passionate about easier than anything else. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's a lot more genuine too coming from a business owner, let's say, because you are that you're the guy, you're the one who created the business. You're the one who you're already making money on your, like you're making money doing something that you like or love or are good at. It's like, why not talk about it and get other right. people stoked on doing it as well right that's yeah. it's only natural yeah the other element to that is as well it's surprising how no niche is too small like when you start drilling into some of these random esoteric things that you even imagine had an audience but in today's day and age there's a thousand people out there who are passionately engaged with it and you would be the person who kind of dominated that space because you're the person who's talking about it. I think as well, in if you're of the mindset that the, this needs to be a top 10 podcast with 10,000 downloads every episode, that's a high bar to, to hit. But if you yes. instead think, okay, this is my business or this is a part of my business, and I know that there's only 100 people out there in the world and only half of them ever listen to podcasts, but if I'm talking to those 50 people, then that's success because that's who the audience is. It's not a comparative audience to something bigger. It's how much of the pie am I getting and engaging with. Again, it just changes the dynamic so much. And also too, like think about this, right? If you have, I don't know, let's we'll call it 400 listeners a month, right? If you have 400 listeners a month, imagine how cool would it would be if you went downtown Philly and every Friday at 4 p.m., 400 people showed up to listen to you talk about something. Right. And it's no matter what, 400 people, you're not going to notice the next week if 410 come and 30 come, you're just going to show up and go, wow, I got, look at this crowd. I got 400 right. people every week. Yeah. That's that right there in itself is like 400, you know, 410 million. Sure. Huge disparity, <laughs> huge disparity. Well, so 
irrelevant to but it's irrelevant yeah i think that's the it's the the blessing and the curse of where we are in technology and the access to markets like if you said 20 years ago that i we could get you in front of 400 people people would be ecstatic because they were- 20 years ago that volume was that was a decent number of people but now in a world where you just see headline numbers and instagram famous people and their followerships are kind of pushing people's faces that yeah. top tiny percentage is so disproportionately skews the numbers and people's thinking of what success is to the wrong end of the spectrum yeah i think one interesting way of thinking about it though as you mentioned before is this newsletter idea i think well, i think 150 episodes in i'd be better at my technique <laughs> so i was going to make a very salient point then that's completely gone out of my head i was going to talk oh you were talking about the newsletter thing so this idea of return on investment so with the books and the clients that we're talking to with the podcast and the people you're talking to it's majoritively business owners with the main job of work of engaging more clients there's, there's some people on the edge that don't actually but the main chunk of these are the people who we're talking to and if you could say to someone if from having a conversation once a week with someone it translated into three clients a year would that be successful and most people would probably say yes because the majority of us are in slightly higher ticket we're not in commodity businesses where it's very low volume at low cost high volume turnover stuff we're not selling candies at a checkout and we just need volume right. it, it's like high. so three people a year you would probably accept that if you were joining like a, not a mentoring, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a community? A uh, oh, network. Yeah, yeah, okay, networking. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, networking. If you joined a local networking group in Toronto, then, and they said, well, you'll probably get on average three clients a year coming from it. You'd probably think that was successful. And a podcast is easier to do. It's more convenient, reach far more legacy and longevity than something like that. Not so important, but it's different. But this real expectation of the kind of softer benefits and not nothing to do with download numbers, but turning into real connections with real people. I think like with the book, the same, all of these same conversations we're having or arguments we're making applies to a book as well. And like we said, in fact, the, the synergy of both of them together is even better. But yeah, this idea of a more realistic expectation on what success looks like and what is a good realistic return it's very easy to make the case that a podcast is a valuable valuable thing to do i would say so simply and i mean you know as a podcast producer to people get it like if i'm working with someone right it's obviously a long-term relationship and with long-term relationship comes the long-term cost and i know that and they know that and everybody knows that right so there's producers out there who, you know, understand that, oh, this is a long-term thing, right? That is where it's the producer's job to take someone after six months and go, hey, man, you know what? This podcast may not be a good idea for you. Right. It may not be the best idea. Say you, I don't know, you're doing something and it, it, it not only the numbers are bad, but maybe they're not the best podcaster. They're, they have low energy. They clearly don't want to show up. <laughs> also, It's also producer's job to be like, hey, man, I love you know, the ongoing price structure, but I got to tell you, this probably isn't helping you as much as it should be. So I, I would caveat, yes, it is a long-term thing, but as pro- as a producer and also as a host, kind of have to have that buffer of like, is this actually working? Hopefully I'm working with someone that has my best, as the host, my best interest in, in, in mind. As yeah. a producer, you got to have the show in mind as well, because it's very easy 
to go, oh man, I got this guy on the hook for a year, for two years, three. Like you, you have to also have a governance process of, is this the best thing that this person could be doing? Because right. it is a mark at the end of the day, it's a marketing effort. Yeah. Really. It's just and, a fun marketing effort. And that actually is a great point. If as people are comparing who they could be working with, given that there's choice, the idea of picking someone to work with who sees it as a marketing effort and not sees it as an entertainment effort, they're not working with a producer who's excited about twiddling the knobs and getting the sound right and putting in a music bed and trying to NPR it to make it to win some awards. That's not as valuable as someone who sees it as a marketing tool and is telling you, hey, listen, these, looking back at the shows, these particular types of guests have had way more they've been received much better than these other types. So maybe yeah. double down on that. Or I notice that you're not sending the email out about the shows. You really need to do that. Or here's some clips that we've extracted from the show, some sound bites for social media, push those into the channel and have those as more marketing tools. So not all producers are created equal in terms of not only their skills and what they bring to it, but the positioning and the job of work and the outcome that you can be trying to get as a, as a marketing effort, as opposed to a an entertainment product effort. Right. And here's where everyone's going to turn off the podcast right now. The, your first 100 episodes would be garbage anyway, or your first 50 episodes are going to be bad anyway. So it doesn't matter if your audio is tight. It doesn't matter. You know, try to obviously make a good effort. There's a, something to be said for making it look at least like you care a little bit. But <laughs> you, you don't, you, you can't get too caught up in like, man, my, you know, I got to have this particular mic. I got to use this one. I got to have this mic arm. I got to make the background look. Yes, make a solid effort. Yeah. Obviously, make it look like you're putting life into it. But once again, everyone's hitting the stop button. Your first 50 episodes at least are not going to be that fantastic. And that's just the sky is blue, the grass is green. It just is what it is. And if you can right. get over that, yeah. you'll ha- if you can get uh, if you can understand that, you will have a lot more success than thinking I need the five hundred dollar mic, I need the ten thousand dollar set. It'll be <laughs> a lot easier of a process that's, as we get going. Yeah, and that's I mean, you see, I mean, we see it with the book business. Our competitors are out. There's a number of competitors out there who are very proud of their very high prices. And for the job of work of what someone has as a marketing tool, that's a big, long return on the investment. If you're spending $30,000 on a project as opposed to $3,000. And the same, with, yeah. Yeah, the same with you. If someone's spending five grand on equipment just to even put the first show out there, that's a big hurdle to overcome before it's even moving. Before you even see anything. Yeah, before you even see any type of anything, you have a $50,000 setup. And now you're getting angry because you're like, oh, in a month, hey, man, I got all this stuff. Why is it only 100 downloads a month? No one wants to sign me. How come? (laughs) Well, hey, man, you got to get get 50 under your belt and then we'll talk about it. Or you know what I mean? The good thing, I mean, the whole marketing conversation around it makes the numbers make so much more sense, though. So understanding that even if the downloads are zero on all those 50 episodes, the website content of having 50 hours worth of unique on-topic content on the website the fact that as someone goes back and listens to the 50 episodes they're entering something and they're seeing the credibility of 50 previous ones whether or not they listen to it or not as you try to invite guests or open doors this credibility of body of work that you've created already even if the quality is not where you want it to be it's it has a very 
definite marketing benefit, even if it doesn't have an entertainment benefit, if the show was the product. It's yeah. Positioning it as yeah. a marketing tool just makes all of the numbers make so much more sense in a much easier and an accessible way for people. Yeah. They want to know that you love it. So they go to your YouTube page and they go, oh, wow, he's got 400 episodes. Like, I've never heard of it, but that's great. It's visual confirmation, right? right. It's just, oh, he's yeah. treating himself. I, I say this in the book because I think it's it's it rings true. But as a business, you should look at yourself as a media company first. Before, media company one and then whatever you're selling, one B, right? right. If you can do that and, yeah. and position yourself as a media company, which means you have all of the things, you have the YouTube set up, everything is populated. You look like you care. Yeah. about your social presence people are going to initiate it's just by osmosis go oh they obviously care about their product and their way of doing things let's see their story let's talk about their yeah. or let's come into their ecosystem and, and see yeah. what they're about i think like say understanding that it demonstrates that you care both the the minimum amount that you care about the thing that you're doing but also that you right. care about the subject so you're willing to put it out there it goes a long way yeah um i always say to people as we start the shows that oh we'll go for half an hour and then that's and then we just keep going <laughs> yeah we're right <laughs> minutes in like so people appreciate the time I want to make sure that people can get access to you and the book and, and more about what you do so what's a good place for people to go to to find more you can come to the website so right now I'm we're wrapping up the book now so it sh- it will be for free to, it's free by the way everyone who's listening I'm not I don't want to make money off it whether you work with me or not it's just good information to get people in the mindset of you don't have to be you don't have to be Joe Rogan. You can just you can be you and do what you need to do. So you can go at it's talkaboutbook.com. The yeah. name of the book is What Should I Talk About? The website is www.talkaboutbook.com. And then I'm a casual, you know, I'm a casual user of social media. I'm not a big social media guy. My Instagram handle is Mike the Mike bought the dot shooter, as in like shooter. I have a website, www.forboke.com. That's sort of an old portfolio if people want to check out my more creative stuff. And then my LinkedIn is just Mike Tassoni, T-A-S-O-N-E. You can find me there. But I, I, if anyone's listening, go to the website. You can find me a lot easier there. If it's podcast related, that's probably a better place to reach me. Perfect. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that we put links to the your LinkedIn profile and the websites as well on the on the show notes. So as people are listening, they can just click into the podcast player and the, the link will be there or check it on their websites. But I highly recommend going across. I've obviously seen the book, the inside version of it. So well worth looking at if you've got any even if the thought of having a podcast has entered your head, because it really does a great mm-hmm. job of kind of getting over that first hurdle, as you mentioned, of, okay, well, I know a show might be a good idea, but what do I talk about? So there's a lot of great advice and, and anecdotes and stories there of people who have kind of made that transition. And as I say, the link will be in the website, link will be in the show notes, so people can check out you and the services we offer and kind of follow up the conversation there. But Mike, it's been a pleasure. Really good to talk about this for, for hours more. It'd be interesting yeah. to get back on the show, maybe give it six months or so and see how the book lands and then how you've been using it and what, what that's translated to in terms of more conversations. Then we can follow up with people and check them back in on the progress. Perfect. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Fantastic. Cheers, Mike. Appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening as always. As I say, check out the show notes and then we will catch you in the next one.